Guys, this is going to be a great show with Jason Harrison and Brendan Burns of Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. And we just got back from hunting in Montana on the CA Ranch. And uh, we had a fantastic time. And this podcast episode is going to recap that. Before we get into that, I want to make sure you guys are aware that the title sponsor of this podcast, GoHunt.com Insider, is doing a free 30-day trial of the Western Hunting's best research tool. You've got the filtering 2.0, the draw odds, the complete coverage, uh, every area, every season, all the different strategy articles with GoHunt Insider. Uh, and they're doing a 30-day free trial, and you can check out the whole Insider program, uh, which will also let you look at the strategy articles. Uh, you can see all the different monthly giveaways, and you can see how the Go Hunt Gear Shop works, and they have Insider points just for signing up. Uh, use the J. Scott uh, promo code. So what you're going to do is you're going to go to gohunt.com forward slash J. Scott. You're going to follow the prompts from there when you go to that page, and uh, you're going to be able to take advantage of the 30-day free trial. This is not going to run much longer, so make sure to take advantage of that. I want to thank Go Hunt Insider for their title sponsorship uh, from the beginning on this podcast. also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. I uh, want to thank Phonescope.com. Uh, Cheston Davis, uh, if you use the J. Scott 16 promo code, you're going to get a 10% discount on all PhoneScope products. The Outdoorsman's in Arizona, Cody Nelson and his crew, the Optics Authority, uh, use the J. Scott promo code. You're going to get a 10% uh, discount there. You can go to Outdoorsman's.com or call them at 1-800-291-8065. Guys, I want to thank you for your support of this podcast. I appreciate seeing all of the positive comments uh, on iTunes and the reviews. Also really appreciate and, and like getting emails uh, from each and every one of you on your successes on your hunts, successes and your failures. Uh, please continue to send photos to my email at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com or on Instagram. Just send me a direct message. My Instagram handle is at J. Scott Outdoors. Love interacting with you guys. Really appreciate your support. Let's get right to this episode with Jason and Brendan. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. We are in Montana at the CA Ranch. I'm here with Jason Harrison, the founder of Kuyu, and his sidekick, Brendan Burns, the comical relief of the trip uh the the head guide and comical relief i would say uh jason it's never a dull moment with uh burns around no um, he's a he's a fun guy to do a hunt with i'll tell you it's pure entertainment never bad mood always positive and full of one-liners well if you're not having fun why are you doing it yeah amen i uh don't know that i've ever laughed so hard on a hunt um following you two around and getting all the jawbone and back and forth so we're here on the ca ranch um awesome place jason i was here with you in 2014 and uh just a beautiful ranch lots of elk lots of bugling um lots of activity and some good bulls uh when we were here in 14 you shot like a 370 plus bull and uh, you've had uh several great hunts since then uh on this place yeah, the place is, it's hard to imagine until you come here and experience it. And the amount of 
elk density on the CA is, I don't know if it could be matched, really. I mean, there's a lot of elk. It's a big fire came through here, I think, in 2000. 2000, yeah. yeah and, and burned a big portion of this ranch, which I think has really helped the elk population because it was a really hot fire and took a lot of the you know old growth forest down with it. And what's come back is just lots of elk habitat. And since then, I guess the elk population has really increased. And we're kind of, I think, at the heyday of, of the CA as far as the elk numbers and elk density. And then the hunting pressures for a, a 60,000 acre plus ranch, you know, they only, I think they harvest, um, if they shot every bull for every hunter, uh, it would be what, 26 bulls a year. Yep. But you know, we, we didn't, there's two elk that weren't killed on our hunt. And I think, you know, so they'll end up killing. 23 bulls off this ranch and i mean we saw bachelor groups of bulls that were in excess of that yeah i mean the first day we glassed up there and saw i think 15 raghorns in one bunch and then i think the other when we were um cruising around we saw what a group of 25 25 raghorns together yeah yeah Yeah, it's, it's amazing um you know i think you know some there's when you hunt a place like this it could be you know you can make it as challenging as you want and we we target the big the big not just a herd bull but the biggest of the biggest herd bulls we can find and we probably saw five maybe six bulls that are in a unique caliber of of elk with within on this ranch that are just superior of even typically just big herd bulls you'd be excited to hunt and hunting those specific bulls and targeting those bulls with this many elk is as challenging of a hunt as you can probably have as, as far as elk hunting goes. Yeah. You come here to hunt. I mean, the, 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 this place is basically just elk being elk. I mean, it's, it's low pressure obviously from the hunting pressure standpoint, but it's just cool to see elk being elk, but there's a ton of elk on here. I mean, I think up to 2000, depending on the time of year, but um, you know, there, there's really a lot of regular smaller type stuff. And then, there's a small percentage of pretty big bulls that it doesn't produce the biggest bulls. Like there's no 400s here or anything like 370, 380 is kind of the top end. Basically this is a general hunting unit. So they, they do get off, they wander off the place. They get killed. Like something's trying to kill them all the time. So right. the big ones that live to super old are pretty, are, they're still pretty educated, pretty special. They don't, they're not, they're not dumb. They're uh they know what they are. That's, it's pretty cool to, to hunt the, and then you've just got so many elk to get around to try to get in on on these big ones, which makes it. I think that's the hardest challenge of the whole thing is. is there's so many elk that you know to too try, many a lot to try and make a move on some of these bigger bulls. You're weeding through so many satellite bulls and and cows. Yeah, and they cows. Herds of cows. And I think there's like two strategies or two ways that you can hunt elk. You can either glass for them and then try and spot and stalk on yep. a big bull and make a stalk. Or you can be a caller and just try and weed through bulls. Yep. Obviously, when you have as many bulls, I mean, it's it's a great problem to have. Yep. But it's also a challenge if you're trying to shoot a big one. You've only got five days. You know, if you're calling elk, you can only call so many, and it becomes a numbers game. Yep. Um, well, the other thing is there's so many elk here. There's so many cows. These big herd bulls have a tendency to stay with their cows no matter how great of a caller you are. And you saw it, Jay, oh. where we could call in most of the satellite bulls out of a herd, but the big bulls is just yeah. going to stay with those cows. 
And I, I think that's a dilemma for any elk hunter is they have to decide whether they want a calling hunt where they're just going to call and have fun yep. or if they're going to try and target a bigger bull. A lot of times the best thing is not to call at all and stalk. And Brendan's got a little smirk on his face. It's <laughs> <laughs> just funny thinking about these these first world problems we got here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, we, we didn't call the big bulls at all. I mean, we didn't even... We, I think we did one setup on a bull we thought was there. Yeah. Um, I think on the third day, we like we saw we called in all his raghorns, and he stayed with his cows. Like seven different bulls came in, I think, it, yep. in one set. And I do have to say that I am impressed. Uh, Burns does own an elk call. I witnessed it myself. I actually have video of it. Whips out his elk call, throws out the prettiest bugle you've ever heard out there so yeah i mean the rumor is 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 definitely true burns does own an elk call yeah i mean whether whether i can blow it yeah yeah, whether i need to do it or not i'll break one out once a year just to just to get the dust off the (laughs) off the plastic yeah Yeah. and for yeah it was what was i mean that was hilarious when he did because the elk were we were up on a on a a kind of a ridge overlooking a basin the elk were talking and brennan pulls out his bugle out of his backpack it's one of those Old, older Primus ones that collapses down yeah. so it's super small and bugles and fires out this roaring beautiful bugle and then dead silence shut the, va- <laughs> shut the valley down <laughs> well they were running though they were they were they were, they were coming in oh that's why yeah. it's quite yeah, they, yeah they were busy coming in no it's hard i mean that's what i've always found with hunting great big bulls when you're targeting the absolute top end of the top end and i don't care where you're hunting i mean the biggest bull you can find is going to generally be in control of the most amount of cows or the smartest one around, whether you're on a big private place, a limited draw, OTC, whatever you're going to, you're doing. I mean, the biggest bull is going to be smarter than everybody else in general. And to hunt that bull specifically, which is what I enjoy doing, I've just never found calling effective. You just, it, it's, it's just, you know. You're drawing attention to yourself. And, 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 and you're committed to, you're either going to, you're either going to kill him or you're going to spook him. And I, the, the, the second part of that equation, I don't like at all when I'm hunting a big bull. I'd never want to, sp- I mean, the first time an elk sees me, I want my arrow in his chest, um, or, or, or flung over his back or around, you know, like I want to, I want to, I want to <laughs> have an opportunity to take yeah. him. Um, I, I don't want him to know I'm in the area when I'm, when I'm hunting. Well, you just him, don't so. know a, how he's going to react to the call. And a lot of times, I'm sure you've experienced, Jay, where you sneak in the cow call. The cows don't want the competition. They'll pull those bulls yeah. away at times, too. Yeah, for sure. Or you get a cow that's 16 years old or 14 years old, and they know the game. They hear the cow call, and they're like, eh. Yeah. It's got to be. not buying it, right? Yeah. And now you lose that opportunity on an elk that didn't know you were there. You can call a lot of young elk in. Most everyone can call a lot of young elk We in. probably passed 30 five- and six-point bulls, I yeah. guess, in the last five days. Yeah. How many cows could we have shot? Not a lot. Not that many. <laughs> yeah. 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 Brennan, before this hunt, um, you shot another big bull with your bow. Um, you have shot some phenomenal elk uh, with your bow and arrow. Um, probably, you know, one of the best collections of archery-killed mu- uh, elk that I've ever seen. Um, tell me a little bit about that bull and, and that hunt. And I know you had watched him, and he was a little bit tricky to figure out yeah i, I killed the bull in eastern montana it's what it's funny how much elk habitat is in this state but it's about 400 miles from here um long ways and 
I, I prefer hunting areas that have super low density of elk. Like the area I'm hunting does, doesn't have a lot of elk. I think probably where I'm hunting, there's maybe 30 or 40 total in the area. But, uh, yeah, uh, a friend of mine had seen him in July. Um, it was a super hot summer. He was in a, a water hole in July. And then I found him September 1st. It was a big 6 by 8 I guess you'd call him a, he's basically a big straight 6 with a couple of shark teeth on him. And um, it was one of the first times I've hunted. I, I thought he was about 390. I sent some pictures to some buddies. We, we thought he was around 390. Um, and I was kind of like him or nothing. Um, and uh, that's, it's a tough thing to do because, you know, I, I got a couple some, other nice ones. I passed some really nice bulls, you know, and, and you're either, you know, outhouse or penthouse yeah. with that kind of deal. You're either going to get them or you're not, or you're not. But, um, yeah, I found him on the first of September and basically hunted him for 11 days straight. Um, and it was one of the first times I've heard it, hunted a bull that, um, he was the biggest bull in the area, but he was non-dominant. There was a big six by six that I passed up. That was probably like three seventy. I passed him up three times. That was by far a little bigger in the body, but just bigger in the attitude. And the big bull that I ended up killing um, wanted nothing to do with him. So he was just kind of flirting around the edges, and he was, you know, he'd peel a cow off here and there. I went seven days without seeing him, and then uh, finally on, I guess on the thirteenth of September, I uh, I caught him just randomly walking up a draw bugling i'd been walking for a long time just looking for and this is super low density elk area and um you know again didn't call or anything just managed to cut him off and shot him at 47 yards and was uh it was pretty cool fun to fun to get the one year after and and uh just cool to hunt one specific bull and finally get him it's a really just a beautiful huge long time he's got seven seven times over seven times over 20 inches on his on his rack he's 384 yeah really narrow you know being narrow and i thought but uh how many bulls have you killed um record book bulls with your bow Mm, over two i don't know close to 20 over 260 but how many 350 plus 12 12 bulls over 350 with your biggest being how big 425 gross 410 net beautiful yeah. and you've got yeah. one other over four uh i killed a bull in wyoming that's over 400 with a with a rifle and then i got a i have a 396 straight six point and then two Shuffle others over two yeah two over two others over 380 this one over 380 and yeah a lot in that yeah well, that's awesome but just you know I, I love hunting those super low density areas i just i i love like this was really fun it's it's not fun while you're doing it but it's fun to look back on it's fun because of the challenge to to hunt one bull in particular and then to know that yeah you got it yeah you got him figured out which this bull this year honestly I, I didn't really have him figured out i just kept after him and he finally made one mistake so speaking of one bull in particular uh you guys found a bull here uh we we called the trident yep. bull um was nicknamed because of his cool character and, and the points off on, yeah, I the believe three, it's three points off of his back end on his, yeah. I guess it'd be his right side. Right side. Like, yeah. Seven by nine. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. thought eight by 10, but we don't know if those other little ones are scorable, but he's a big, a cool bull. Yeah, um, really tell cool me bull. a little bit about it. Yeah. It'd been a bull that they'd found, uh, the week previous week and actually Will Waltrip who was here hunting with us. He, they found him on the first day and Will and Jack hunted him, I think three days three days yeah and then will unfortunately a good friend has uh, passed away so he had to leave early which opened the door for us to, to target him and we hunted him the last two days of the hunt and found him in the afternoon of of day i guess it was day four up in a basin and we watched him 
and he was in a spot where we just there was no way to get close because it was op- wide open. And we sat and watched him, waited for him to decide what he's going to do, and he and ended up working. His cows ended up going down the, the bottom of the basin. Brent and I looped around, and he we just got as close as we could and hung tight. And they were heading our way. We would have probably had a crack at him that night, but it just got dark on us. And then yesterday morning, got up and and got up on the high point with the three of us, uh, with Jay and, and Brennan, and it was fogged in, but we could definitely tell his bugle. And he was, yeah, you picked him out right away. Yeah. I thought he was that bull to the right. Yeah, no, but then I, as soon as we got just a little break in the fog, we kind of eliminated. Yeah, and then we could see just through the little bit of the fog, we could see those cows, and you kept looking over there, and you picked him out. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And he does have a distinguishing bugle once you really listen to it. Yep. Yeah, it's just got a certain tone to it, real deep tone. That's the non-typical flair to it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One thing I thought was cool was um, uh, Taylor, our guide here, uh, your guide, uh, kind of from the beginning, He that, that was the bull we were looking for. Yep. And he kind of had slid over in some other country, and Jack and Will found him. What I yeah. thought was cool was the fact that, you know, that was kind of the bull that we started out looking for. Yep. They found him, and... You know, being your buddy and what have you, sure. you know, let him hunt it, whatever. Um, he almost then, killed him on the first yeah, day. Yeah, almost killed him. Yeah. Uh, it's just neat that, you know, you can hunt a place like this and have, you know, friends and guys with you that, you know, if they're on him, bull Absolutely. moves over, it's his bull, let him hunt it. Yep. And then it was nice for us to get an opportunity. It was. I mean, it, it, we hadn't put eyes on him until the afternoon of the fourth day. And and then, uh, yeah, where we, where we left him, he, we found him. But, you know, we heard him do he was in, He was there the, the next morning. And he was bedded with his cows, and, and Brent and I did a huge loop around on him to get the wind in our favor and got to within a couple hundred yards, and then I split off and made a really cool stock down. There wasn't a lot to work with uh, as far as cover and just used a slight bit of advantage of topography and looped down through this little little draw and just basically had to crawl down and, and got in position, came up over a, a trail that they had used and dropped into where they bedded. And snuck into to he was bedded at sixty as close as cows were about forty forty five yards and just we had the wind in my face and just sat tight which you know was which is the exact situation I like to get yourself in with these big big bulls like this is get in bow range of his cows and sit tight he'll eventually if he's bedded get up and loop around and check him and I was just exactly how I wanted to have it set up at a distance that I was comfortable shooting and thought we had him I mean really did and the wind had been consistent all morning. And after sitting there for about an hour, you could feel it. The wind start to just calm down a little bit. And I started to get a little bit concerned. I think you did too, Brendan. You text Jay. Text said, me. And just said, when it happened, I said, man, I hope he checks up those cows because the wind's getting squirrely. And it wasn't a minute later. Yeah. yeah and all of a sudden they're up. They just jumped up. They jumped up. And he, he uh, yeah, and he got out uh, to about, you know, 70 yards. And then, and I took a shot on him. But I couldn't, you know, I got a quick range on him. Then he moved a little bit. And I just had to make a guesstimate to what the range was and shot right under his chest. And then uh, we we looked for him uh, the rest of the afternoon and ended up picking him back up just before dark. And we just couldn't catch up to him. He was he was 80 yards in front of us. Yeah, he, he was at 80 at one point, and he had some cows with him, and we just got as close as we could. But then he just was heading down, and we yeah. couldn't catch up to him and watched him last night walk out of our lives. Yeah. Neat bull. It just um, Great bull cool to have an encounter with a bull like Incredible. that and just see him and you know Incredible. for me when they have that non-typical character they're just 
very very unique you know regardless of size he was a big giant bull but yep just neat to see yeah, a configuration just, like that yeah you're never going to see another one like him yeah for sure yeah and um you know to go on a hunt like this i could have killed a bunch of different bulls and and ended up you know walking away with without an elk and you know for me i'm totally good with it yeah. and it's the it's the game you play and the and the price you pay sometimes when you when you instead of just getting one when you want to just get that one yeah. or another one of that caliber. And we, we targeted a couple other big bulls that we got in close and had some really, really good opportunities on. Yeah. Uh, it's um, I'm totally good with it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've had, have, I've had the chat with Dan Evans a lot about, you know, when you start targeting the biggest bull around, it's not quite as fun. I, I mean, it's way more fun when you win, when you get them. Um, but it's, it's, it's definitely, it raises the challenge um, from just getting one getting a nice one the first real nice one to man i want one elk on the whole place that yep. that's just just raises the bar as far well, as you have you know. to be co- totally fine with not getting one you yeah. have to be and if you're gonna go home from this trip bummed then you should you shouldn't play this game because right. you're gonna lose probably more than you're gonna win although brendan seems to always win but he's perfected he's an the exception art of, to the well, rule. he's perfected the art of hunting these big bulls he's taught me yeah the same when hunting with brendan the last three years here he's taught me how to do this yeah it's not going to work out all the time. It does, especially on a five-day window. Yeah, that's the hardest part here. Yeah, I think. The short if you had, time if frame. you had ten days here, you'd probably eventually get it all put together. Yeah, um, maybe not on Trident. Maybe on another bull that's that was a giant bull. We probably saw five or six that would would meet the meet that mark. But to pick that bull, yeah, in five days, it's it's hard. It's really really hard. And you I got know ten, that, yeah, you got ten hunts. Basically, it was five hunts for Oscars. We never stopped walking for five days. I know. <laughs> and Brendan, I don't consider myself a slow walker, and it's everything I can do just to keep Brendan in sight. Like, I carry my 10 powers around my neck yeah. and the camera. I carry the 10 powers just to keep him in sight. Yeah. Um, well, yesterday we did, because I carry that Garmin watch. I had it on yesterday. We did th- over 13 miles and just under 4,000 vertical feet. Yeah. And all of it was spent going after, I mean, Working on elk. I mean, yeah. it was nonstop yesterday. The weather was perfect this week. We got a storm that came in, then cleared off, and it stayed cool with on-off weather. We got a, we had a storm on day four, dropped a bunch of snow, so it was just the elk were really active. There was no slow period of the day. Yeah, we hunted pretty much all day, and the bulls all bugled day. all day. The intensity of the rut was fantastic. Yeah, um, we nailed it. You, speaking of weather, um, let's talk a little bit about gear yep. um, that you guys were wearing uh, and one of the things that that i found is is so important is that layering system and lots of times we were chasing bulls and what have you then we were sitting and glassing and be able to to you know take gear yep. off put gear back on talk a little bit about how the weather played and and the gear you guys used yeah i mean for for me we having looked at the weather conditions before i came up here i brought i ended up hunting in a soft shell pant which i normally don't i i really like the attack pan or or the uh, alpine pant for elk hunts. Um, usually or the Tiburon this time of year when it's or it can be scorching. Yeah. But I, th- I, I took the Chinook, which I haven't hunted much in other than when we tested it. And it was perfect for this hunt because uh, it's a little lighter than the guide, lots of breathability, you know, soft and quiet with knee pads. And, and then I wore a prototype base layer, the 90, 97 bottom, which will come out next year. For me, that's the perfect mix for this type of hunt um, in these types of conditions that adds a little bit more warmth than like just a peloton 130 next to your skin but breathes really well it kind of has a wider range of of a temperature range that keeps you comfortable in versus just a a knit base like the 130 and then for my upper body i wore a peloton uh long sleeve underneath or next to my skin 
and then switched back and forth between 97 Peloton and the 200. When it got colder, second half of the time, I was in the 200 most of the time. And then I wore a, a Kenai vest that's a prototype that will come out next year as well. And I just like hunting in a vest. Yeah. And it keeps that core temperature up but lets your arms kind of cool. And, and I can climb and, and hike for a, a lot longer in, in a vest than I can like in the Kenai jacket. And that was kind of what I was in most of the time. Uh, when we were sitting in glass and I'd either put the super down on or if I had the Kenai with me, I'd put the Kenai jacket on. And then when it got really windy and cold, I'd throw my Chugach shell over the top. Yeah. And I had the Chugach bottoms for when we were in the bad weather. And I wore a pair of uh, Yukon gaiters the whole time. Do you feel like that 97 is going to be a really good seller for you? I mean, it's it seemed like it, it will um, be. that's it a been. perfect piece for a lot of different hunts and situations. It just adds a, a wider range. Um, and it only weighs five ounces for me. I can... I can wear it over the top of the Peloton, and it feels um, feels like it, it's, it wears a lot warmer. As you've probably, I don't know if you've worn that, Jay, but it wears a lot warmer than it than it should at at ninety seven grams. Uh, but it, it breathes really well, so it just kind of keeps your temperature really well regulated in a bunch of different situations. I know you're a huge fan. Uh, of I love it. it, yeah. And I had a pair of prototype ninety seven zip long underwear, which is a, I mean. If you're not wearing full zip long underwear, you are missing out. Like you're literally lacking something. It's like not having fletches on your arrows anymore. <laughs> I mean, you just you it's, it's the strip down and like yesterday, you know, we were hiking. But then when we got close to that bull, it was like, hey, we're sitting for four hours, and it was windy. It was pretty cold. You know, mm-hmm. you have to be able to layer back up and get warm again to get comfortable. Um, and again, that's where the whole system comes into yeah, play. Yeah, not to have to <clears> sit down. You, I mean, because you wouldn't sit down, take off your gaiters, take off your boots. To put on your base layer bottom, even it's it's not that quiet to do that. No. Even you know, I mean, especially if you got to do it when you're in close and yeah, our system then, you could just I mean, because of it's a full zip with a with the Velcro tabs, you don't have to do that. You just you just put them on, you pull your pants down, put throw them on, and pull them right back up. I don't, I can't remember. I mean, when I was hunting before, is either you're hot or you're going to be cold. Yeah, because you're either wear your base layers or you weren't. It just well, solved a big problem for layering. One thing I thought was pretty funny, uh, <laughs> I had been sitting and glassing, and I had my, my super down pants on underneath my rain gear. Yeah. And it was snowing and what have you, and you guys were, let's go, we're going to go take off. And I'm fiddling around, and Brendan's like pulling my, he's like, this is how you do it, and zip those super down pants yep. off. I was like, oh, that's how you do it. Yep. I mean, it was, those super down pants are pretty cool too. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can yeah. throw those on. Under or outer, depends on, obviously, if it's wet, you want to put them under, but they're, uh, if it's instant warmth, especially if you, you know, like we got to the top of that ridge, Trident came out, and it was like, put the brakes on everything. We're yeah. sitting here, it's snowing and blowing like yeah, crazy. Like four we're inches a, of snow on the ground. Yeah, we're, we're you know, just, you got to get warm, and we're just going to sit here and watch till he goes in a direction we're going to go and yeah that the system and, and that was the, when i had the gear envy you guys all were staring at me i felt i felt like uh what a hot chick must feel like in a bar i had a super down pro on yeah <laughs> i look over and burns is just sitting there like nothing it's snowing sideways and i look over and i go that's a super down pro isn't it he goes yep uh that yeah. is an awesome he piece. still hadn't let me try that sucker on yet yeah you got that to is a sweet jacket yeah you got to see a lot of protos this week that you're yeah i'm like isn't that a you know give me the wink yeah, yeah. that's a proto yeah the super down pro is an awesome piece it just it takes our range of system to the kind of the next next level for cold yeah how much level of warmth do you think it adds compared to the super down ultra as far as a lot yeah, double. I mean, it's double the, double the down, but then you got a, a heavier face fabric too, so that adds to the warmth. 
because it's going to help block wind even more and hold hold your heat in yeah so it's it's not yeah twice the amount of down but i would say it's more than twice as far as warmth and the crazy thing about that jacket is and we cut it so it's more of an outerwear yeah. type piece more of a belay style as they mm-hmm. call it an outdoor um it only weighs 17 ounces yeah i mean it's still crazy light super packable and uh it only weighs 17 ounces so it's a it's a piece that you know if you're hunting later season stuff there's you should absolutely should have that jacket and are you thinking that. it's going to be october kind of mid-october depending for, on where you hunt moose hunts up north obviously no, i mean delivery date oh it's yeah it's shipped it comes in it's just coming soon. It's. I think it arrives at our warehouse mid-October. Oh, man. Maybe a little bit sooner. Than that's going to be a piece that I get for sure uh-huh. because, I mean, being a desert rat from Arizona, I mean, you know, when it th- – this was a cold hunt for me compared to what I'm used to. I mean, you guys are just thinking it's nothing, but – No, I come from California. I'm with you, Jay. I mean, Super this Down guy. Pro is going to well, be – I came from out east, eastern Montana for – it was averaging ninety two degrees yeah. to come here, even though it's still a shock. I mean, this this there was a this this fall has been a it's been crazy hot, fires everywhere, and it went in three days. It went from we basically knocked forty degrees off it. Yeah, it definitely gets yeah, get you your know, yeah, what was it during the storm? I think it was the high was like mid thirties. Yeah, mid thirties. We had yesterday you know, morning was really low, cold. Too. Low twenties is a low. Yeah, and it was moist. Yeah, yeah. So it just cut right through you. Yeah. Uh, Kuyu Mobile Showroom's been a huge success. Uh, and what kind of feedback are you getting from people and such uh, with the, with the showroom traveling around and having all of the pieces of gear that Kuyu makes in every size, every color? They can touch it, feel it. Um, the, how, what, the response has been so. I mean, for me, it's it's it is one of the best things about what I get to do is to see customer response, whether it's the product, what we do as far as service the new stuff we bring out and that this mobile showroom has been another one of those really, really rewarding things for me as a, as a, you know, building this brand to see the response and the pre really the appreciation, uh, of, of either existing customers or customers have heard about Kuyu. And that's been the fun part. I went up and worked a couple, sh- couple of the stops, how many people had heard about the brand, but just don't like to shop online until they could touch it, feel it, try it on and to watch them walk in be able to show them Kuyu, and within a matter of seconds or just a few minutes, they get it. Like, wow, this stuff is really different. It is so much better. The hand feel in your fabrics are different than what I'm used to from the other competing brands out there, because they are. And then, uh, so that part of it's been been amazing. And then existing customers, tents, sleeping bags, packs, the high-dollar ticket stuff that they're just not comfortable ordering to check out, to to let them come in and, and see how amazing our sleeping bags are with the polish down and, and how light and packable they are and how warm they are, or the tents and the design and, and how they're laid out. That part of it's been great too, just to, to allow everyone to see everything. And we see it, and you've seen it when we go to the trade shows, how packed our booth is for that same reason. Mm-hmm. The mobile showroom's been absolutely outstanding for us. We've talked about it before on the podcast, but how important are your customers to you from a standpoint of, you know, there's several levels from a macro level, you know, obviously it's your business. It's yeah. how you make a living, feed your family, but how important is your customer and how, I think you've done a really good job of educating your customer and being transparent. Yeah. You know, it, it, I guess the best example of, of what my customers mean to be is how I built this brand from day one, which was total transparency, deciding not to go with a retailer because of, the lack of value they added for the customer, how much they marked the product up, 
how much they limit the customer on what I can make for them. And by building Kuyo's consumer direct business model, being, you know, basically pulling the curtains back on not only what I make my stuff with, but also the down, you know, the deficiencies of retail, the secrets behind retail and how much they marked up the secrets behind the products other brands were making and truly calling, you know, making the fabrics and materials into something they really aren't through marketing. And then, um, you know, cause I could have built this brand a lot easier way by going to, you know, into traditional brick and mortar from the beginning and had, you know, probably faster success, but doing it this way is all about the customers. And our approach my approach has always been one customer at a time. And let's make sure we wrap our arms around that customer, pull them in and treat them like they're family. And yeah. it's whether it's the employees that work at Kuyu feel like it's a part of a family Our our customers do as well. And you can see it. I mean, Brent and I get to travel a lot of places to go hunting and we get to talk to customers and how appreciative they are. But also it's really neat to watch other customers spot other Kuyu customers. And they're like part of a family. I mean, they yeah. walk over and introduce themselves. And, oh yeah, you're with Kuyu. Yeah. You found out about it too. Yeah. That, there's nothing better than that, Jay. And, yeah. and, you know, I push our team to make sure that a customer is never unsatisfied, whether it's a service issue, whether it's a product they don't feel like it met their standards of what they want, whether they're wrong or right, they're always right. And yeah. that's, that's what we set up. Um, and we continue it. As, as this brand has grown so fast, well beyond anything I'd imagined, one of the, th- one of the key things I, I continue to... Um, talk to our team about is is let's not forget what got us there. That's our customers and all the small details that has built this brand. Servicing those customers can never be lost, no matter how much success we have, no matter how big we are, no matter um, how they're engaging with the brand. Whether it's a mobile showroom, whether it's the new European office with the guys over there, it has to be Kuyu, which is all about the customer. And we've met some great. I mean. That's why Will's here. Will was a customer. Yep. He said, yeah, if you ever have a spot open, come on up. And, Absolutely. And uh, he, he came this and year. We've and become really, really good, close friends. I mean, my relationship with you, Jay. Yeah. I mean, started as, you know, you're interested in what we were doing. Yep. And, you know, we've become really good friends with all of our customers. I'll do anything for a customer. I tell people, email me. If you want to go, <clears throat> whether it's our product or you need advice on where to go hunting, let us help you because... Yeah. We want our customers to have a great experience in every aspect of their hunt, whether it's who to choose to go hunting with, what products to bring, what optics to use. I mean, we want to share everything we know with our customers. Well, and I think that's what sets you guys apart. I mean, I've seen you in situations, airports, restaurants, you know, what have you. You're very approachable. You talk to people. You you actually, you really care. Um, and you break it down to a personal level and absolutely. take one, one person, one customer at a time. Well, I think when you build a brand like this, there is nothing um, as rewarding as seeing somebody wearing your, your product. Yeah. And for me, if I'm traveling through an airport and I see somebody wearing a Kuyu hat, or I, I will go completely out of my way to go over and thank them for their business. Well, and it, it's got to be rewarding from a standpoint of sometimes you may see someone in a piece of gear and, and they don't realize how much time and effort you've, you guys have thought about sure. trying to make that the best. And then you see it on someone and you're like, you know, you're, oh, you're, it's you're awesome. grateful. I'm incredibly grateful. Yeah. yeah. And that's probably the best way to, to, to state it. Cause without our customers and without them choosing Kuyu and recommending Kuyu, we don't exist. And I will personally go out of my way to thank every single person I see in Kuyu uh, when I see them. Cause I mean, it's, 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 it, 
why I'm in the business. It's fun this time of year. I mean, <clears throat> I got hundreds of emails just since sheep season started of guys, you know, like, hey, man, I got one. You know, here's my hunt. Here's how it went. You know, like, it's yeah. just cool this time of year. Rams rolling in. They got the elk rolling in now and, you know, the deer and stuff. It's just it's just really cool to see guys giving you the feedback and and uh and just saying hey thanks you know nothing not not huge just thanks dude appreciate what you do and you know uh, here's here's some success i had and all those guys are it's and great it, yeah i mean it's it's how you're building your you're following too jay which we've talked about a lot of business strategy on this trip and it's the same thing it's 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 earning each customer and doing everything we can to to keep them provide and, and because they matter every yeah. customer matters absolutely well, guys, I know you got to get off to the airport, and um, we got to run. We had a fantastic hunt, and uh, always a ball. Yeah, uh, thanks for coming on hey, with it's, you guys. It's always a pleasure to spend time with you, and to hunt with you is an absolute pleasure. And uh, I always learn a lot spending time in the mountain with you. God, I got to show you some of my calling techniques and stuff. And yeah, yeah. We'll you know, <laughs> one of the highlights of the trip is uh, I got introduced to Larry the Enticer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jay the guy's never, an icon. Never heard about Larry the Enticer. Yeah, that's right. I couldn't believe you hadn't your, heard about your him. life. Will never be the same. Yeah, now, yeah, now, yeah. I'm gonna have to go check him out on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's 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 iconic. Yeah. So next, we're just counting. I got 40 days till I hunt Goliath. Awesome. My desert sheep tag in California, which will finish my slam. Awesome. I just counted up the days, so now I'm going to start marking them off. That's cool. Well, yeah, I know we'll you have ha- to do a, a podcast before we do that one and after, for yeah, sure. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Well, guys, thanks again. It was great getting to come up here and join you guys. And um, Pleasure, Jay. Thank you for your transparency and, and uh, all the great work yeah. you do for uh, the Kuyu Nation and, and your customers. And, Absolutely. Um, you know, it's been fun to kind of watch know you from the beginning and watch this thing kind of move through and and see where you're at now and there's the the thing that hasn't changed is the level of commitment to making the greatest products out there Uh, we're our own worst critics (laughs) we always want to find a way to make it better (laughs) burns around it's pretty easy he's uh we're never satisfied he never sugarcoats uh i'm not gonna I don't have a lot of gray area when it comes to stuff I like. No. Nope. So. Well, thank you for your friendship. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thank you for all your all your support, Jay. And uh, I'm always it's an honor to go on your podcast, and I can't tell you how many people we get to meet that become customers through your podcast. I I really appreciate it. It's, it's our best referral source, and you've done an amazing job about building a following. Well, you thanks. It. Thanks. Well, good luck the rest of this fall, and um, yeah, uh, for the listeners out there, um, these guys are going to be around show season, so make yep. sure to come by the booth and um, make sure to come up and say hi to Brendan and Jason and, Please do. and their whole staff. And uh, If you're ever out in Dixon or Northern California, stop by the headquarters. We've got a great showroom, and um, yeah, I'd love to show you everything. If you, Yeah, if anybody have any questions about gear, hunts, whatever, just send it in a com and we'll we'll, some, we'll get back to you. One of yeah. us will. Yeah. Yeah. Any, yeah. any advice? Unless on we're hunting. Do with hunting. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get back to you shortly. Yeah. yeah. Sounds right, good, guys. Thanks, buddy. All right. Yep. Yep. All right. Bye.